Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. 2 Samuel chapter 22, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there. There is often uh, referred to in the scripture as the Christian life as the, uh, the way or the path. And uh, in this text in 2 Samuel 22, David uh, devotes this entire chapter to a song that he wrote uh, and sang this song to the Lord. And in this song is very, very interesting. I'm just going to uh, use four verses out of this. But what he is singing about is the experiences that he's had in life. And uh, in relating these, he gives us tremendous instruction about God, about himself, about uh, life as it is uh, actually. And he records these for you and I. And he lets us understand the reality of life as it really is. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, I want to preach to you about the path of life. Verse 1, then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And my refuge, my Savior, you saved me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. I want to preach to you about the path of life uh, uh, for a few minutes this evening. First of all, I want to talk to you about the trials of life. Now, uh, there are many places you could go today. And there's a tremendous misconception about the path of life. And the... Uh, idea that's put across is that if you have faith, you'll not have any problems. You're not going to have any more difficulties. It's uh, health and wealth and success. And one of the key scriptures they use is 3 John 2, where the apostle John says uh, these words, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper and be in health uh, just as your soul prosper. This is a key scripture, and this is quoted over and over again. And supposedly, this puts forward a proposition that if you're really a person who have faith, you have faith, you're not going to have any problems in life. And as a result of that, many people are then traumatized when trouble comes their way, and they say, "How how can this be? I'm a I'm a Christian. I pay my tithe. I love God. I pray." And when problems come, then they they seek to take a wrong. Uh, approach to it. It was Job who, when he became uh, in deep troubles, he uh, lost his family, lost his uh, uh, business, he lost his home, almost lost his wife. And his three friends who are called in history, Job's comforters, come along and said, Job, 
you know, what's the problem? Why don't you tell us what your sin is and everything will be fine. Uh, and yet the Bible says that Job was uh, perfect and upright and uh, he was a just man. So as we begin to look at the trials of life, I want to bring you face to face with a long history of a man. And this man's name is David. He writes this song and we can have tremendous instruction from it uh, And it was written, the Bible says, and he sang this song or spoke these words to God in the day that uh, he was delivered from his enemies. So I want you to examine that uh, with me for a moment, because what we're dealing with is the spiritual, we're dealing with the physical, we're dealing with the mental. If you read this uh, song through, it's just, it's a tremendous instruction in many, many things, uh, But what he really does, he brings life into the realm of reality. Now, I want to just quote for you just some of the things that he talks about. There's been division among the people about him. This is spoken of in this passage. Saul has hunted David like an animal from hole to hole and from cave to cave. He uh, has uh, problems with his own son Absalom, has risen up. And has rebelled against him. As a matter of fact, not only that, but he sought to kill him if he could. And added to that, uh, there's a man who he's using as the general of his army. His name is Joab, is a treacherous man. He's a very dangerous man. David has empowered him. As a matter of fact, you almost get the feeling uh, that if he could, he would have gotten rid of him and replaced him with someone else. But every time he did that, uh, Joab murdered them. Now, this is a man that's in charge of your entire military forces. Uh, on top of that, uh, uh, he uh, has his own failures that he has to deal with, the sin with Bathsheba and the bringing about of the death of her husband uh, and uh, uh, his family intrigue on top of all that, all is woven through all of this. Uh, and so here's a man that has walked the path of life. Uh, and as he survived all of these things, and he writes this song uh, and he re- rehearses this to God or sings this to God and leaves us a tremendous testimony uh, about the path of life that will help us with this record. In the book of First Samuel 27, 1, says, David said in his heart, this is in the midst of all that, he said in his heart, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistine, and Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. So here is a man that's walking in the reality of life. He's faced with these intrigues, He has to deal with this turmoil. Uh, The people, even the people, uh, are are divided concerning him. Some are for him, some are against him. They're split, uh, and uh, there's a tremendous turmoil that is there. And in uh, verses 5 and 6 of our our chapter, it says, When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid, the sorrows of uh, Sheol surrounded me, and the snares of death uh, confronted me. Now, right in the middle of this, added to this, is an uncertainty uh, about his future and where God is taking him and what's going to happen to him in life. Samuel had prophesied over him. You remember the story. Went to his father's house, went through the brothers, and none of the brothers uh, uh, were approved. And finally, uh, Samuel comes to David, said he's the one, anoints him as the uh, king of Israel, 
But in, in, in spite of him being immediately thrust into the position of the throne, then he, his life is turmoil, uh, and it's a continual saga of, uh, of uh, difficulties uh, and of, uh, and of uh, uh, assault. You know the story? He, uh, he begins to get a little bit of favor because of his military success. Saul brings him into a favored place, uh, and uh, he goes out and wins some battles. Then Saul hears the women singing, and the women are singing, Saul has killed his thousand, but David has killed his ten thousand. Immediately, when Saul heard that, he, uh, he, if he feels he's threatened, uh, and so he goes out and tries to uh, destroy David. At one point, he, he is in, uh, he's, he's so fearful for his life uh, that he flees uh, to Gerar, and he's so afraid that the king of Gerar is going to kill him that he goes into the nut bag. He begins to slobber on his beard and go through this, and, and he's uh, doodling on the gates and writing strange writing so that they'll think he's crazy and because he's afraid they're going to kill him. And so this, this is in back of this song now. You have to understand that. All this intrigue, his family intrigue, uh, the, uh, uh, the intrigue of the, of the striving for power, the competition among, uh, among those uh, uh, that are his backers. Uh, and uh, here's the trial of his life. And this, this song is written with this background uh, of tremendous turmoil, upheaval, danger, fear, doubt, uncertainty. He's supposed to be uh, exalted to the king's throne and rather that he's, hunt, uh, he's hunted like an animal uh, and uh, all of this takes place and he writes this song uh, on the day that God delivered him uh, from all these troubles. First Peter 4.12 uh, says uh, in verse 14, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. If you're reproached from the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. So here we have Peter. He brings this into the arena of reality to the believers, writes to them in scripture and says, when you have problems in life, don't despair because it could be that you just uh, are being validated by God, uh, that you are a genuine believer, uh, and all the things you're experiencing puts a validation uh, upon your life, that the Spirit of God rests upon you. Now this brings me to what's really important here, because out of all of this, uh, David uh, gets a revelation of God. How many of you want a revelation of God? Five of you, okay. So stick with me, maybe we'll get one before we leave here tonight. See, this crowd's becoming very, very leery of me asking questions, raising hand, because I, uh, I talked about uh, Oprah uh, Sunday night, discovered some of you watching Oprah, and then the rest of you listen to Madonna. So uh, they're becoming very leery. When I say raise your hands, everybody's crunching down. What's the catch? There's no catch. Okay. I want to know God. Can you say amen? I want to know the fullness of that. But this is an ancient quest uh, in the human heart. Uh, Moses uh, uh, has been uh, at the head of the people of God. Tremendous miracles. God pours out plagues uh, over and over again. He goes before Pharaoh and, uh, and brings the word of God. And finally, he brings the people out in a tremendous deliverance. Uh, and uh, as he brings him out, Exodus 33 then finds him uh, and uh, in spite of these powerful miracles that God has done, 
He's asked these words, listen to this in Exodus 33. Now, therefore, I pray, if I found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight uh, and consider that this nation uh, is your people. We sung that beautiful chorus tonight about the amazing grace of God. So here's Moses. He's experienced these tremendous miracles. God has confirmed his word that he has brought the, the, uh, uh, the decree of, of uh, heaven upon Egypt. Uh, and yet here we find him after all these tremendous miracles. God says that uh, uh, Moses said, that's wonderful now, uh, but I want you to show me your way. In other words, he wants to know God because there's, difference, uh, there's a difference between God's acts and his ways. You'll find that a great deal of my preaching and my teaching in the adult Bible class is trying to interpret God in language that we can understand so that we can know him and experience him. And there's a difference in the acts. In other words, the, what he does and about him himself and his ways. In Psalms 103 verse 7 says he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. So a revelation of God comes out of the arena of life. And this is what we want to look at tonight. If you look at uh, this text for a moment, 41 times in this text, uh, it says the Lord, the Lord my God. 41 times in this text, uh, this is used. Uh, and so here's David uh, as he's walked the path of life. He's gone through all of these things. Uh, we find one of the tremendous blessings that comes out of that uh, is uh, that he has a revelation of the Lord, my God. Jehovah, this is what the Lord is translated in our Bible, uh, Lord, it's actually the original language is Jehovah. And this is the redemptive name of God. Now think about this, uh, in this short chapter, 41 times uh, he refers back to Jehovah. Not just any deity, but Jehovah, who is redemptive, name of God, and any time that you read that, you'll find that God has revealed himself uh, in his redemption. Ephesians 1.17, the apostle Paul says these words, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He mentions in this text uh, some tremendous statements. He says, my rock. He says, he is my fortress. He is my shield. He is my salvation. He is my high tower. He is my refuge. And so here he uh, gives us the imagery. It's in a militant, if you will, language. And a God who is a redemptive God that is saving him from the violence uh, of experience in life, demonic forces, uh, uh, those that would seek to kill him, uh, hostile uh, uh, circumstances, uh, and he brings this out. Uh, these, are, uh, these are forces that are seeking to destroy him uh, and uh, the violence that would come in the spirit realm. It was Jesus who said, the thief comes, not but for to kill and to steal, uh, 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 but to kill and to steal, but I'm come that you might have life and uh, that you might have it uh, more abundantly. So here we have the imagery of the reality of life. How many of you know that you and I 
uh, have a, a hostile enemy tonight. Do you know that tonight? Uh, his name is Lucifer. He's the devil. He seeks to destroy people with disease. He seeks to destroy them with spiritual oppression, upset families, a hostile environment. Uh, but here we have uh, a God that David has walked this pathway now. Uh, it has not been an easy pathway. But when he comes through this, on the day that God delivers him, uh, he writes his song uh, and he sings it to God uh, of people and spiritual entities that have come against him. Uh, they aim to do him harm in every way. Uh, and he writes this tremendous song uh, of deliverance uh, and writes it for you and I because out of these trials, he gets a personal revelation uh, of God. And not only he gets a personal revelation with God, uh, but you cannot ring this, read this uh, text without understanding uh, that he knows God and he has a personal relationship himself uh, with God. See, seeking God is one of the great uh, quests of mankind. Isaiah 55, verse 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. And Jeremiah repeats the essence of that, Jeremiah 29, 13. And he says, You will seek me. And you'll find me uh, when you search for me uh, with all uh, of your heart. I was looking out at a number of people uh, that just in the past three months and I've been, since I've been here either came back to the Lord uh, or were gloriously saved uh, and their transformed lives are sitting here tonight. Uh, they've had a personal relationship with God out of the sin that has uh, overwhelmed them, out of the consequences that has brought when they came to a place where they said, God, uh, I'm going to turn from that uh, and came to Jesus, uh, they're sitting here tonight clothed uh, and in their right mind uh, because they had an experience with God. That's what the redemption's all about. Can you say amen? This is what the Bible's all about. Uh, and this revelation with God uh, is a glorious, glorious and wonderful privilege. One of these privileges uh, is the uh, privilege of prayer. Now, many, many people claim to have a relationship with God, never pray. Oh, they give a, they give a cry out when they get in here. Oh, God, help me. But you know, I'm talking about uh, the privilege that we have of daily uh, coming before God in prayer and having him hear us uh, and answer our prayer. Listen uh, this uh, evening uh, to the verse 4. It says, I will call upon the Lord. Verse 7, he says these uh, words. Uh, 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 22 7 uh, in my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God and he heard my voice from his temple and my cry entered his ear so here's uh, Paul uh, or uh, David he's looking back now on the life uh, that he's lived this pathway that he's uh, that he's walked upon uh, and he writes this tremendous song uh, and he says to you and I he records for us uh, out of this He's prayed, and God's heard his prayer and brought him a deliverance. Now, there always is an eternal spiritual dimension that's at work. Not only do we get prayers answered here, but there's an eternal dimension that reaches beyond uh, this present life. I was thinking as I was preparing this sermon, it uh, probably was 18 months ago, I was uh, asked to preach a funeral for a young American uh, who had been killed in Iraq, Stephen Radersdorf. He's a, a pastor's son, been backslidden uh, in the military, and uh, he was killed in Iraq. They asked me if I would preach this, uh, his funeral, and uh, I consented to do that. I went down to Phoenix, probably one of the largest funeral 
that I've ever been in. They filled that chapel, filled the overflow, filled another chapel, people standing up outside. It was a tremendous time of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of sympathy for the family. But one of the things that was troubling the family is that when this young man went to Iraq, he was not saved. They knew that. He knew he was back to and they're tormented. Uh, as they got the news of his death, he was killed. Didn't die immediately, but he was, uh, he was ambushed. And uh, one of the things that tormented them was they were not sure whether this young man was saved or whether he was not saved. And I was uh, preparing for this in about probably two days before I'm to go down. I, uh, I, get, uh, I get a fax. And uh, in this fax, it is an email uh, that has been sent to this family from Iraq. And uh, in this email, it uh, relates to them that uh, uh, one of the uh, sergeants that are in charge of the uh, company that uh, Stephen Raidersdorf was uh, a part of uh, was a Christian. And this man had been doing Bible studies, uh, and he had, in the course of this, he had prayed uh, with Stephen Raidersdorf, uh, and he had uh, led him in a sinner's prayer. He was backslidden, led him in a sinner's prayer, and uh, in this email... He relates that when Stephen was uh, in the hospital, they took him to the emergency. He's, uh, he's mortally wounded. He's dying. He's going in and out. Uh, and in this email, this man says, uh, uh, I want you to know that the doctor that was attending him uh, said he was going in and out of consciousness. And in one of those periods, uh, he said, uh, tell Sarge uh, that I know God. I can't tell you what I can feel, what that did for these parents as they heard that story, uh, that here their prayers had been answered uh, and God had wonderfully undertaken uh, and they could go through that time uh, in uh, that uh, uh, laying him to rest and doing honor to the military uh, that he was a part of, that their hearts could be assured uh, that Stephen's soul uh, made it into heaven's portals uh, and God had answered prayer. You see, in life, we are more than conquerors. If you read that text in the scripture, it's put in the context uh, is that everything may not turn out like we want it to be in life. Can you say amen? But God rules in eternity. And we're just passing through this life just for a short moment. Uh, I'm going to tell you, uh, you'll blink three or four times as you're sitting there. And one day, before you even know it, you'll be as old as I am. Amen. <laughs> Take my word for it. Because this is just a short journey that we're on here. And God says that we are more than conquerors. That means that regardless of what happens in this life, uh, there's a future for those that know Christ. I want to talk to you for a moment about the glorious dimension that we have here. Christianity is not static. Uh, there are tangible benefits uh, that come out of Christianity. In other words, what I'm saying is this is not just some concept that we've locked onto and a power of positive thinking. We're going to feel better about things, but nothing much changes. I want to tell you there's a tangible reality to Christianity. In Psalms 103, verses 1 and 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his Benefits. There are benefits uh, in this life to living for Christ. Uh, and this song is filled with tremendous insight. Uh, and that tremendous re- insight is uh, the revelation that God is involved uh, in the issues of life. Thank God for that. Can you say amen? He's involved uh, in the daily affairs of life. There is a, uh, a persuasion that's called deism. 
Deism is the belief that uh, there is a God. He created the world, but then he just kind of spun it off into space uh, and he no longer is concerned with it. He no longer uh, interferes with it. Things just go on the way they are. And that's called deism. But that's not the revelation that I've read tonight, just in these four verses. The revelation that I read tonight in the scripture is a God who is concerned about individual human beings, concerned about their welfare, concerned about the state of their eternal soul. And there is a transcendence to God. That's a 16-cylinder that's a word. That means that uh, God moves across dimensions and comes down into the reality of life. In other words, he lives in heaven above, uh, but he's not locked in heaven above. Uh, he moves in planet Earth uh, in the reality of our life. And this entire song is David's life over and over again uh, relating how a transcendent God uh, has moved uh, in the difficulties, has moved in the assaults, has moved in fear, has moved in doubt, has moved in frustration. And it's a dimension that God brings beyond our personal limitations. Now think with me for a moment, because God is a God of breakthrough beyond the barriers of our own limitation. Is there anybody here tonight that you're aware of your own limitations? Okay, not a trick question. They responded tonight. That's transcendence. God is able to break through into your personal existence, into your personal events and circumstances beyond anything that you have, beyond anything you can do. And that's called transcendence uh, and the path tonight uh, of uh, grace that God puts before us is a path where God transcends uh, the issues of life uh, and the path of life can be successfully navigated. Listen to these verses, and I'm drawing to a conclusion. Verse 34, he makes my feet like the feet of deer, or King James says, like hind's feet, uh, and sets me on my high places, uh, and gives us the picture there of an animal, uh, perhaps a, a, a mountain goat that's there in, uh, in Israel. We see them uh, most every time that we travel there. And he puts a picture there that in the precipices of life, when we go to Israel, go down to Masada, down by the Dead Sea, generally see a herd of these at En Gedi. And they're there, and this is a desert, rocky country, and these animals are able to almost climb a rock. I mean, it's a phenomenal what a mountain goat can do. And here David is giving this picture of God. He breaks through in me into a dimension where in the difficulties of life, I'm able to escape and climb above. And then he says again in 2 Samuel twenty two thirty seven, you enlarge my path under me, uh, so my feet uh, did not slip. Now the essence of that is that God enables us uh, beyond our own ability uh, and beyond uh, ourselves. Several things he says in that uh, text. He teaches my hand to war. A bow of steel is broken. Uh, by my hand. I am able to run through a troop or leap over a wall. All of these are figurative uh, that in the difficulties of life, it is God that is able to transcend uh, in a spiritual dimension and enable you that you can live life and successfully navigate uh, and make heaven your home while he's with you, blessing you in this life. But the best of all of this comes now 
and that is to give direction in life. How many of you know that probably 98% of people on planet Earth don't have the slightest clue where they're going or what they ought to do about it? How many of you know that? Confusion, a doubt. If you ask people uh, 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 about their life, they'll give you some kind of mumbo jumbo. But when you really get down to the nitty gritty, they really don't know what they're doing. They have very little understanding about what the will of God is for their life. They just kind of wander along, hoping that things are going to turn out all right. But I want to tell you, God will give you direction in life. Listen to this verse in verse 29. You're my lamp, O Lord. The Lord enlightens my darkness. In other words, God will move and give you direction of what you need to do and where you need to go and how you need to act. And he will, in the midst of all this, he has a concern for you. And we see over and over again in this text, save and salvation. Saying that beautiful course again tonight. Save, O God. Save, O God. Well, what that means is not just a phrase that you say. What that means is that God actually will come intervene, be involved in life, and he will save you from an enemy that wants to destroy you and damn your soul in hell. Psalms 16, verses 10 and 11, as I conclude. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So the bottom line of all that we've said and all that is in this text, you could preach for a year on this text alone out of that chapter. The bottom line is uh, that God becomes a reality in life. There's an involvement. David is relating to us an involvement in the affairs of life. He's relating to us an intervention that God intervenes uh, and also he brings to him a vindication. And he said, you're going to take care of all of my enemies, Lord. And the bottom line is God will show himself to you tonight to be God to you. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thanks. 
you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.